So thanks to everyone who um, brought things this morning and shared a little bit. That was really encouraging. Encouraged me a lot. Um, definitely had to push it this week just to get this done and get prepared and uh, understand this topic. And um, I think the three people that share things, all slightly different in flavor, uh, one was a word, two people came forward, just uh, really nailed it. Just You've already got these values. You're getting them. And uh, as I wrestled with this one this week... Um, you're, you really embody some of the things I want to share this morning and speak about, so thanks. Um, that just really encouraged me as I got up. Um, yeah, I can't tell you how much you just really nailed it. Maybe I can try and move that in as well. So this is the penultimate preach. We've only got one week left, which is next week. Uh, next week we're going to finish with uh, Extravagant Out. So we've done Extravagant Up, our worship, and today we're doing Extravagant in, so that is within the church, within our community. And uh, this is really the value that challenged me the most, if I've got to be honest. Um, because I think when I look at the values, empowered, you know, to be honest, who doesn't want a bit of empowerment, a bit of a superhero thing, Clark Kent behind the glasses? Um, it, it kind of reminds me about the resources we have. And uh, yeah, I want to feel the empowering. Um, we need that to sustain us, and I do rely on my faith to sustain me. Empowerment is, yeah, absolutely empowered. We want to be empowered. Um, and then engaged, totally, I, I get it again. I get empowerment through my engagement, my encouragement from others, um, the community we're in. It's, it's a very balanced one, this one, whereas empowered is all about what we get. Um, engaged is, is like what we put in, we get back out. This is really balanced value. I, I love that. Um, and uh, I'm really on board. And then when I get to this third value, this has this slightly different emphasis, more on a different behavior. Um, we talk about um, values and, and behaviors. And the truth is I don't feel extravagant. I don't. I do not feel extravagant. And uh, when it comes to my, my uh, behavior, I'm not an extravagant person. I'm definitely not. Um, if you look at people's dress sense, maybe you get a bit of extravagance occasionally. Um, others, you might see extravagance in other behaviors they have. I'm, I'm not. And uh, even this week, you know, just, just wrestling some of the deadlines and things I had on as I just got prepared, um, I feel pushed. And I'm just so aware at the moment this last year with work things going on and everything I've got on. I'm aware of my limits, and when we hit these limits, I pull back. You know, the moment you get stretched, you pull in, you, you kind of consolidate, uh, and, and you realize you have limited resource in certain areas. You can only do so much. We've all hit those. If you haven't hit them, you're lucky, okay? Um, I'd be shocked if, if you haven't, and pulling back is a natural thing. I consolidate my resource, and I want to understand what I can do and what I can't. And I want to do it well so I don't, don't break that. So this morning as we go through, I've got something like five things we're going to do, go through. I don't know if they're on the screen now. Um, yeah, these, these are the values. We've gone through them. We're extravagant in, bottom, middle. So the next slide, I think, is just going to show my summary this morning. And uh, there's five points I'm going to go through. I want to talk about empowerment and engaged to do what? Survive? Or are you going to thrive? That's the challenge. And how do we move from scarcity in our resource to abundance? Because it's only when we have an abundance, a superabundance, an excess, that we can really thrive. And then comes this extravagance. And in that, 
as we understand what we have, I want to talk about investing. Don't just talk about giving. Let's talk about investing. Do we invest? You should be. You should be investing. And then I want to talk about some principles I kind of pulled together for us, just to think about how we invest, how we do our investing, principles for investment. So we're going to be city slickers, maybe, a little bit. And then as we finish, a prayer for us, just to help us with this, this value. So uh, at the moment at home on TV, we've got a new TV, actually, on a Christmas purchase. But I'm watching this program with the kids by this guy, Ed Stafford. And he's uh, what you call a survivalist, okay? I love these programs. And uh, he's doing this series called Last Man Out. And uh, we watch it. The kids tell me, oh, come on, can we watch it, Yeah. And we sit down, get our Sunday dinner, and we'll sit down with some toast and that. And uh, he's, this guy's an ex-army survival expert, um, and uh, he's, he challenges himself massively to do really big things. And uh, he's, he's actually has a Guinness World Record for traversing the Amazon, the whole length of uh, the river, the whole length of the Amazon, in 860 days, non-stop. At points, he was wading through swamp just to get there. And uh, this particular episode we were watching the other week, he's racing this guy, Matt Graham. Uh, Matt Graham is another survivalist, and this guy's a primitive survival expert, like an old-school guy, total um, West Coast American hippie. Uh, he's quite fun to watch. He's so laid back uh, in his most ridiculous situations. So, uh, so Ed sets this up. In the Gobi Desert in Mongolia, they get dropped in with nothing, just got like a knife, I think, and uh, they're going to survive in this place. Not, not just that, they've got to get to a drop zone within like seven to ten days, and it's a race, total race. They're going to prove who is the best. Uh, and Matt, I'll just tell you about Matt for a minute. This guy, okay, talking about racing. The length of California is 1,700 miles. He holds the record for running it in 58 days non-stop. That is running about 50 to 60 kilometers per day non-stop for 58 days. That's over a marathon per day for over a month and a month and a half, right? So yeah, these guys are good. These guys are good. And in this hostile environment, this, this, this program um, that they're going to do, last man out, in this harsh environment is all about consolidating your resource and then getting through to survive. There's no limits, no excess. Everything is a very, very fine balance. Your life is in the balance. And they're going to win. They're going to do this. And uh, it may be different things that push us, okay? I don't know what's pushing you where you're hitting the limits, different areas of our life at different times. Maybe there's relationships, finances, uh, an obvious one. Maybe it's just the pace of life, the, the speed at which we go out, overwhelming work pressure. It's a health issue, physical energy. We kind of fight these things, and we're each in our own little survival race, maybe, sometimes. I hope you're not, we, but we often find we are. And the challenge is how do we go from just surviving to thriving? Ed actually has this mantra. He does another series where he's marooned. He does this thing called marooned. He goes, and he says, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. How do you do that? How do you go from a place of scarcity 
to abundance. Scarcity is a problem, and I feel justified about feeling this value is tough. I feel justified. Let it go with me, right? We live in an age of austerity. It's all about austerity. You know, if you look at people who exercise excess, you feel critical in the papers, in our natural environment. We don't really celebrate excess. Excess is extravagance is sometimes seemingly wrong. Scarcity is an economic problem when economics hits people. It's a social problem. Night shelter. People have nowhere to sleep. Okay? That's a scarcity. People have no food. Food bank. So we have scarcity, not abundance, often in our community around us. Ah, so the question How do we move from scarcity to abundance? So last week, Steve really took us through the up. Next week, we're going to look at the out in our community. We'll touch on that more. I'm not going to go into that too much. But the question is today, how do we get this value of extravagance within our church and within our community? So Steve set this up really well last week, that despite... Our selfish nature, we have to realize that we have a superabundance in God. That God withholds no good thing, Psalm 84:11, and God lavishes on us the riches of His grace, Ephesians 1, 7 to 9. Did you not hear that this morning and what people brought? That God showers us with rich things that turn to gold. That we have rich things. Get to that in a minute. And I, I do see the extravagance around me. Creation, I love going out, outdoor stuff. Heavens are stretched out before me. Jeremiah 10, 12. What an extravagance of stars. Beautiful things. The beauty I tread underfoot in the foothills, in the hills, if I go out walking, running. Isaiah 40. They make my heart sing. I just enjoy it. What things make you do that when you see excess in nature, maybe? And even in the desert, the harshest of environments, Isaiah 35, 1-2 says, even the deserts bloom. Watch a bit of David Attenborough for that, maybe. Even in scarce places, we can still see abundance. And that does impact my worship. I do feel that I can turn my heart around in these places, and when I see these things, and I can worship. And it does drive me to worship. It's a, a restorative thing. So wasteful is God's creation. You think about this, that even the dust, the leftover stuff, became us. Perhaps the human is some of the marvel of the creation. That's his extravagance. So we kind of drag our minds out of this position, look up and see this great abundance, and then we look around. We see who he is, what he's done, and we start to understand that there is something different it's a different way to live. Ephesians 2, 4-5. Because of his extravagant, super abundant love for us, God, who is overabounding, excessive in mercy, made our sin-dead lives to thrive in Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. It's come up a lot in the series. 
Uh, I think Steve reads it a lot. Ephesians, what an uplifting book that's just full of these superlatives, these really big words. You read it and you can't help but be impacted by the bigness of what Paul is writing about, these big things we have and we get. Both the creation, also the word. We had a lot of it last week confirming his character in his superabundance. An extravagant God who helps us not just to survive, but to thrive. Because of his superabundant, excessive, overflowing grace towards you miserly as you are. Miserly, you are made alive to thrive. I have to really keep preaching that to myself. Slap this week, because I just I keep slipping into this empowered, engaged survival mode, survivalist. So wrong. Luke 12, 22, James, listen, life is more than food, the body more than clothes. Again and again, Scripture's telling me there's more, there's more, there's more. Don't be an engaged, empowered survivalist. Be more. Be more. Thrive. It's no wonder that Paul prayed that for us. In the beginning of Ephesians, I pray your eyes would be opened and enlightened in order that you would know the richness, the super excessive abundance of his glorious inheritance. You've just inherited. How do we work it out? How do we get that perspective off survival and practice extravagance within our community, within our lives? In Matthew 5, 14 to 30, Jesus tells this parable. It's a parable of the bags of gold. I, I hope you know it. And uh, in it, the master travels away. He's going away. He has a great estate, and he leaves, and he summons his servants. And he says, I'm going to give you some money. Here's bags of gold, pure gold. Doles it out. Some get more than others, but they all get gold, bags of it. And he goes away does his thing, his servants go off, do their thing, and he comes back. Sometime later, and he calls them into the office, the accounting office, and he asks them to give account for what they've done. With the money I gave you, with the wealth, the glorious riches of his inheritance, with these things I gave you, what did you do? They got busy. One of them didn't. One of them, he didn't lose it. Note, note this, none of them gave it away. I mean, that was, they didn't give it away. One of them just put it under the bed, under the pillow, I don't know, in an ISA maybe. Interest rates are so low, it's kind of about good enough, right? The other two didn't. The one who just, just put it away, he, the master wasn't happy. The other two who invested, they got busy investing When the master returned, he wanted to share in his pleasure. He wanted them to share in his pleasure. He beamed his pleasure at them, at what they had done. In talking about being extravagant, we need to be investors. We need to take what God has given us and the God-given opportunities we have, we'll see that, to invest Ephesians 2, 6-7 takes this thing where we have the superabundance and takes it into the action, the situations 
where we can invest. Here, you can hear here in Ephesians 2, 6 and 7 and verse 10. And God raised us up with Christ. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the extravagant, superabundant riches of his grace expressed to us in his kindness in Christ Jesus. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for you to do. There's this moment where the pivot comes, where the value that is up becomes the value that is within and then without. It pivots to our action, how we are to react to the extravagant riches of his grace. You know the word there that is translated in, often in the Bible, great, the great riches, it can actually be translated in so many ways, but one is transcends. I love that. I was thinking about that verse as I was, was reading. Transcends. I mean, all these superlatives we have that we're using this morning. His riches transcend. They transcend. And he's invested that with you. The bags of gold he's distributed. How can you do that? Someone brought some of that this morning. You have in your hands so much. The place you're at, you have so much. You can invest your money, yeah, hard cash, but also other things. Maybe you don't have all of that. You have time, ability. What about words? What words do you have and actions? When I started looking at it like that, I just... I just think my, my thinking reformed more. Instead of thinking about what I have to give away, I think so much more now about what I can invest. Who can you invest in? Who's around you that you can invest in? What's around you that you can invest in? Are we doing that? I hope so. I think I find that far more exciting to think of it in those terms than I'm investing in the things around me. I'm investing what the Father's given me. Jesus gave us this really radical view of how we are to do that and how we are to measure the success of our investments. Luke 12, 32 to 34 says this, For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, no thief comes, no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, your heart is also. So I wish I could kind of share with you a bit about my investment portfolio, how I'm thinking about that. I kind of, I'm cautious. I started small. I don't really find it easy to invest when I'm, when I'm kind of in survival mode. But how's your portfolio? I, I, I think there's probably people here to know how to do this better than me, and I'm speaking it. I bet there's a few people here that if we really looked under the covers, they are really rich. They're amassing wealth of a different kind, of a heavenly kind. I wonder, maybe you, you have some, share it. Challenge us. But I'm excited as I do this, and I'm on that journey to do that. How are you on the journey to your retirement, investing for your retirement, 
How are you doing? Have you checked in with your financial advisor to see how your wealth is? So, real, I got, I got some principles for investing, okay? 101, got these out of Investment Magazine. Nothing to do with your real investment, okay? Just, just to be really clear, this is like heavenly investing, but, but I've taken these real principles that I want you to just think about. Principle number one, diversify. Diversify your investments. Think of what you have. Don't just give money. For some people, that's easy. When you have an abundance of money, that's easy. For some people, it's not. That's a stretch. But think also about what else you have. What resources do you have that God's given you that you have in your hand? Your talent, your time, your ability your words and actions that will influence others. How can you invest? Praying for others. Engaging with God's kingdom. Battling those things out. How can you be more extravagant in those things, in your giving in those areas? Recognize the different ways, the diversity of these ways. Jesus was very busy about his father's business, Luke 2, 49. In every way, he was busy, 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 busy about his father's business. So many opportunities come our way to invest. Don't bother counting them. Just be diverse. Second principle. If you're investing, the first place you invest is the local market. If you're doing your pension, you put some in the UK. So are we investing locally? There's so many opportunities out there to get involved with. We talk about out next week. But do you invest in your church? If we can't get it right here, how do we get it right somewhere else where it's more complicated? You know, Warren Buffett, one of the most richest known investors, said this, you don't need to do extraordinary things to get extraordinary results. That's what he said, principle of investing. But think of that in the unextraordinary things around you. Unextraordinary. Just normal things you've got to do. Do the unextraordinary things. And you will get extraordinary results. People, situations, serving with time and talent. The principle is this, that in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, in God's wisdom, don't ask me why, this is God's wisdom, his chosen investment vehicle is the church. The church is where he wants us to invest. And things will go out from that. We do that next week. God invested first in his church. We are to do that. It doesn't stop there, though. Third principle. Invest in people. Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing Are we encouragers in a connected age, texting, exhorting, blessing, encouraging? Do we share in the challenges of the people around us so we can share in their success? Actually, a principle we practice at work, we talk about mentoring. Investing in people is is work jargon. But, you know, take words. Words are so powerful. Words can kill, words can give life. Proverbs 18.2. Surely this is an area where we have an excess. Surely. Okay, some people talk more than others, right? I'm not the most talkative, but 
Sometimes words are harder, but you've got a lot of them. How do we invest those words? What's the return? Where words and encouragement are, is there a reason for scarcity? Are we encouraging, giving thanks to people? Do you feel invested in the people around you? It's an encouragement personally, I think. You know, we've journeyed with certain people in the church. I spent time with Rob and seeing Rob. Rob might not feel like this sometimes. Okay, maybe I don't always do it right. But, you know, do you feel like you can share in their success as they go on? I've watched Rob go from a job into full-time ministry and I'm hearing about some of the things he wants to do in the future. How am I investing in that? Because that success is also your success. You share in these things and these people. As people do stuff in this church, you own that, stocks and shares. You buy shares in a company, you just buy them, right? You own it. You get the reward. That's the point of stocks and shares. Never mind stocks and shares now. Let's talk about people. Are we investing in the people around us? Do you pray about these things? Galatians 5, 13 Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do anything you want. All that richness. Use it as an excuse to serve one another in love. That's in our church values. That's one of the scriptures. Serve one another in love. How can we serve each other and then share in the success? The fourth principle. The last one. Greater risk means greater reward. You know, sometimes you're out. I remember standing at the station and you get these posters up, right? And there's like this thing, invest in this thing, whatever it is, and, and it's going to be amazing. And you see the TV advert and then, on the radio. And then at the end, there's this thing that goes, by the way, your stocks and shares go up and down. You could lose money. Just don't do it. You know, just be careful, right? And you, you, what? What was that? This is like really fast bit, or this tiny piece of writing at the bottom that says you're going to lose money, basically. Risk is really hard to kind of kind of manage it. Oh, it's scary. I mean, if I do this, I might lose my money if this is my pension, um, my kid's tuition fee. I don't know what it is. How do, we, how do we deal with risk? You know, God's economy of abundance comes in here straight away. As a principle, Jesus said to us, whoever has investment statement here on what you're about to put your money down on how you're investing, whoever has will be given more. No up and down. God's stocks and shares go up. Whoever has will be given more and they shall have an abundance, an extravagance. And whoever doesn't have, even what they have will be taken away. Slight disclaimer. But anything you put in, you get back out. Sometimes it's hard to see, you know, you can get disappointment where we invest in things in church or whatever and it doesn't seem to work out. I, I, don't, I don't go to figure that one out, but to be honest with you, I don't know who can actually work out their eternal reward anyway. So really, what's that about? The promise, the promise is, whoever has will be given more. Give, because it's a guaranteed bond. And it's a big one. That's the end of our principles. And I want to finish with the scripture that we have as our church value. It embodies our church values. Paul is here talking in 2 Corinthians 8 to a very affluent church, 
Corinthians is like a, a mega church, really, really big. They've got super amazing AV equipment, websites incredible, all this kind of thing. And uh, Paul's writing to them about this Macedonian church that's been really, really under pressure. The Macedonian neighbor is impoverished because of the persecution that has afflicted them and even their wealth, the way they work in their community, everything has been really, really, really damaged for the Macedonians. And he really speaks of their radical, radical generosity. These guys were massive, massive risk-takers, really risky. They were so fully invested. Let's read it now. And brothers and sisters, I'm reading 2 Corinthians 8, and brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see also that you excel in this act of giving. You see that bit in the middle, the privilege of sharing in this service. Privilege. This is Phil Moore writing in his uh, devotional series on that chapter. He says, how much is it reasonable for believers to give? Paul's answer is that our giving is only reasonable when it feels unreasonable. Give according to your means, he says in 8, 11 and 12. And according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. It's quoting scripture. Yet even as he does so, he provokes them to go further through the example of the Macedonians. They were too poor to give, but gave anyway. Christians are not called to give, but to give beyond our ability. How we spend our money is the true test of our worship. Let's feel more in Straight to the Heart on Corinthians. You are empowered. I hope you are engaged. Are you using that to survive? Are you toughing it out? A really empowered, engaged survivalist? Or have you learned to thrive? How are we moving from scarcity to abundance? Coaching myself in that. By realizing what we've been given. I just prayed through this morning on this, and I just had that kind of picture in my mind of this great big dusty pile of wealth in the corner. He's given you his riches. And don't just give. Don't just give. Why give when you can invest? Invest. Diversify. As much as you can. Different things. Invest locally first in your church. We'll do out next week. Invest in people. The people you have around you. 
sharing their success and take risks. It's a hard one. Remember, God gives us this extravagant gain. The financial disclaimer is amazing. And just remember that practical, radical generosity of the Macedonian churches who yet had the least, but they managed to give the most. Beyond reasonable. So if the band want to come back, I'm just going to pray. I want to pray for us, actually. I've got a prayer. I'm going to pray a bit of Paul's prayer in Ephesians, and I'm going to pray our church value for us. Father, I pray, oh God, glorious Father, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we would know you better, we would know you truly. I pray that the eyes, our eyes, would be opened so we would just see and know the hope that you've called us to. That we would know the extravagant riches of your inheritance. We would truly understand your inheritance. I pray we would know the riches you have for us in heaven and the riches you shared with us to invest on this earth. I pray we would know the incomparable power available to us as we engage with you, we who believe. And I pray you help us to be a generous people that go the extra mile for one another, who honour and serve each other in humility and grace and in love. Amen.